The Sacred Garden of the Soul, Part 5, Concerning Language and Number Hebrew was the language of the Jewish people in biblical times. Originally, it was based upon an archaic alphabet known as the Proto-Canaanite script, which emerged during the 2nd millennium BC and was probably inspired by Egyptian hieroglyphics. However, towards the end of this period, a unique Hebrew alphabet emerged, derived from the script developed by the people of Phoenicia, which is now known as Lebanon. It was an alphabet based on sounds rather than signs and symbols, and many other alphabets were subsequently derived from it, including Aramaic and Archaic Greek. Hebrew was widely used in the ancient kingdom of Israel, until the country was overrun first by the Assyrians in the 8th century BC, and then by the Babylonians in the 6th century BC. Following which, the Hebrew script was gradually displaced by Aramaic, and had almost totally disappeared by the 1st century. Thus the Jews of 1st century Palestine spoke Aramaic, not Hebrew. Aramaic originated in the region we now know as Syria, and probably as a consequence of the success of the Assyrian Empire, which existed in the 9th and 7th centuries BC. It became established as an international language, written and spoken throughout the Levant, Mesopotamia, Egypt and Persia. It was readily adopted in Israel, superseding Hebrew, which remained in use only in religious rites and ceremonies until the formation of the new state of Israel in the mid-20th century. When the Jews adopted the Aramaic writing, they evolved from it a script called Square Hebrew, which is how most people would recognise it today. The Hebrew alphabet has 22 letters, all consonants, symbols or marks for vowels were introduced around the 8th century AD and are usually placed below the consonants. Hebrew is written from right to left. Each letter has a specific sound, name, number, symbol and quality, suggesting different levels of understanding. To the Kabbalist, the letters of the Hebrew alphabet are more than simple components of words. The correspondences of each letter are very extensive. Not only does the letter have a sound, but it also has a name, a numerical value and a form, all of which play a significant part in Kabbalah. Furthermore, each letter has an associated image and an astrological symbol. For example, the letter Aleph has the value of 1, or when written larger, the value of 1000. It may also be viewed as an ox, or interpreted as the element of air. The shape of the letter itself is said to describe a bull, and in some circles it is said to represent a man standing with his arms outstretched. At a high level, Aleph symbolises the One, the Eternal and Omnipotent God. It is the principal channel between heaven and earth, and when considered as such, it describes a flow of life between one and the other. Thus some Kabbalists have likened it to Jacob's ladder. The Kabbalist accepts as a matter of fact that the scriptures were given to us by divine inspiration, that they are the word of God, the divine will made manifest in our world. Thus the study of scriptures 
is taken very seriously. Indeed, every sentence, every word, and every letter is counted, compared, and reflected upon. Because numbers also represent the letters, it is possible to establish a numerical value of any word or phrase. On this basis, several systems of working with the letters have been established. These systems are ancient and have proved to be invaluable tools for exploring the hidden depth of the scriptures. This may seem strange, even obsessive to the majority of people, who think of numbers as simply being tools for establishing quantity and value. Today, significant meaning in number rarely goes beyond the date of birthdays, anniversaries and lucky numbers. But in the ancient world, number had a profound, if not sacred, import that would have been lost to humanity if it had not been preserved in the various societies of devoted scholars and quiet sanctuaries of esoteric schools. In our rational, secularised world, the mystical and symbolic interpretation of number is either associated with historical figures, such as Pythagoras and his successors, or with periods of social decadence, such as that of the Greco-Roman world of late antiquity. In our time, such interests are considered to be delusory, and generally associated with the eccentrics who populate the fringes of our society. However, it is a fact that throughout the ancient world, the mystical significance of number was at least as important as its scientific application. But times have changed, and the mind of humanity is now focused upon an exploration of the material world and the development of a material philosophy and science that excludes all that lies outside its perceived area of interest, which includes religion and all things connected with the life of the soul. This was probably inevitable. Nevertheless, the appreciation of the role that number plays in the spiritual dimension of human life has continued unabated from classical times, albeit in reduced circumstances and nowhere has it been more appreciated than in the esoteric schools of diaspora Judaism that were eventually to give rise to the Kabbalists of the medieval era and beyond. The spirit of scriptural interpretation, aided by a metaphysical understanding of the meaning of number, has ever been an important feature of the Kabbalah, and without an appreciation of this fact, those who seek to engage in the work of the Kabbalah will find themselves struggling to understand the different systems employed therein. The following notes concerning some of the key features of the classical world's perception of the meaning and philosophy of the basic numbers 1 to 10 may thus be of value. The number 1 emerged out of the monad, which is the term used to express the principle of unity. The monad was understood by Pythagorean and Platonic philosophers to signify the first cause of creation, out of which emerged all things, including the number one, which in a paradoxical way is synonymous with the monad, yet distinct from it. In nature, it is the potential for diversity, demonstrated in geometry by a point and in mathematics by the number one. As such, it is the cause, source, beginning and the basis of all number and numeration. They also understood that all even numbers were feminine, and that all odd numbers were masculine, except for the monad, which is absolutely androgynous, 
because it is the father and mother of all number. The number two indicates division and polarization. It is the first step from unity into diversity. The emergence of duality and diversification out of unity points to a polarization of the number one, and in doing so gives rise to contraries that can be expressed numerically. The number two signifies matter. In the Pythagorean tradition, there are three stages of creation. The first being unity, symbolized by the monad. The second is polarization into two opposite creative powers, symbolized by the duad. The third is the uniting of these opposites in the generation of life, symbolized by the triad. If we were to accept the number one as a point, and the number two as a line, then the number three corresponds to the plane. The smallest plane imaginable is the triangle, which is the basis of the first three-dimensional figure, the three-sided pyramid. The number three causes the potential of the monad to advance into actuality and extension, and is therefore considered the basis of creation. It reconciles the polarities engendered through the actions of the number two, Thus it has been called the number of friendship, harmony, peace and unanimity. It indicates a beginning, a middle and an end, and also implies a past, a present and a future. Thus it speaks of form and time, of experience and knowledge. Out of these is born the world of duality, or in modern terms, space-time. The number four is considered to be the father of the decad because the sum of all the numbers contained within it total 10, plus 1, plus 2, plus 3, plus 4. It is also known as the foundation, because in geometrical procession it is the first number to display the nature of three-dimensional existence, thus the point, the line, the plane and the solid. Its forms are considered to be the tetrahedron pyramid, the first solid, because it consists of four angles and four planes, and the cube, because it is a three-dimensional square, the symbol of Earth. The tetrad gives rise to the four elements and universal existence, and as such signifies the quality and nature of change. It is understood that the monad applies to arithmetic, the dyad to music, the triad to geometry, and the tetrad to astronomy. The number five is thought to be androgynous, consisting as it does of the first masculine and feminine numbers, 2 and 3, and because it was formed of male and female, it signified marriage. It was also understood to consist of the four elements, plus ether, and was therefore called lack of strife, because through the fifth element of spirit, it reconciles any potential discordance. The pentad also signifies justice, because it governs equality in the soul and regulates providence, again through the element of ether. The number six is thought to be the first perfect number, because it arises out of the multiplication of the first even and odd numbers. It was also thought to be androgynous, and to signify marriage because of the relationship between the two numbers, two and three. It was therefore understood to be the form of forms possessing wholeness. It was accepted as a symbol of the soul, and that the universe was ensouled and harmonized by it, and through it attained wholeness, 
permanence, health and beauty. It signifies the six directions of extensions of solid bodies, up, down, forward, backward, left and right. The number seven is believed to be a virgin, born in either of mother, even number, or father, odd number, but from the father of all, the monad. It was revered by the ancient philosophers and called that which brings to completion. It was understood that all things born in the heavens above and upon the earth beneath were brought to completion by it. Thus, because it controlled mortal affairs, it was called chance. The soul is understood to descend into existence through the seven planetary spheres, acquiring its qualities or virtues from them. It also applied to the seven liberal arts and sciences, which were devised for the edification of the soul. The number eight was known to the ancient Platonic and Pythagorean philosophers as perfect harmony. The eighth sphere of the heavens, which was understood to contain the zodiac, encompassed all the planetary regions and as such as a particular significance concerning the harmony of the spheres. Thus the number eight was considered to be the source of all musical ratios. Philo Laus, a Pythagorean philosopher of the 5th century BC, is attributed with the saying, and I quote, that after mathematical magnitude has become three-dimensional, thanks to the tetrad, there is a quality and colour of visible nature in the pentad, and ensoulment in the hexad, and intelligence and health, and what he calls light in the hebdomad. And then next, with the ogdode, things come by love and friendship and wisdom and creative thought. End quote. The number nine is considered to be the greatest of all numbers within the decad. It was also called the perfecto, because it gives completion to the fabrication of generation. At the end of a sequence of numbers, it signifies the end of the formation of specific identities, for number admits nothing beyond the Ennead, returning as it does to the Monad in the Decad. The number 10, the Decad, is understood to signify the universe, because it is the most perfect boundary of number. It denotes completion and the bringing of everything to fulfilment. It was also called eternity, because it contains all things in itself. Thus it was recognised by the philosophers of the ancient world that there were ten heavenly spheres in which creation is contained. The decade was venerated by the Pythagoreans as the Tetractus, a triangular representation of the combination of the first four numbers, one, two, three and four. It was also called fate, because all numbers, things and events were sewn into it. This brief overview is far from exhaustive, but it will, perhaps, have demonstrated in some small way the reverence the philosophers of the ancient world had for the mystical significance of number, a reverence that was undoubtedly shared to some degree by many people of the day. Of course, it is probably true that much of society was then, as it is today, given over to common superstition and vulgar practice which at the collective level debased the profound spirituality and metaphysics underpinning the mystical appreciation of number. But, in the Kabbalistic schools, 
This ancient knowledge was firmly tied to the spiritual exploration and understanding of the Torah, and there never was room for idle speculation. Consequently, in Kabbalah, number has evolved into a powerful tool that opens up surprising dimensions in the understanding of the language of the scriptures and of certain ideas communicated therein. The Torah, after all, is the law, and it is expected that all true disciples should study the law to understand it as best they can. However, the written Torah is but a garment concealing a deeper meaning. This deeper meaning is known as the soul of the law, and it is to the soul of the law that the Kabbalist goes in search of understanding. It is an interior journey, wherein the soul reflects upon the significance of the scriptures. To do this effectively, the soul must direct and control the unruly will. Left to its own devices, the will, except in extremely rare cases, generally gravitates to the comfort zone of old behaviour patterns. In simple terms, the attention wanders, and it must be brought back to the main objective, which is the study of the scriptures, wherein it may learn the ways of the divine and grow in understanding. Such work is known as meditation, and some of the most useful tools used by the Kabbalists in meditation involve the symbolism of numbers and their correspondences. But that is another subject which will form a part of the next talk. I thank you.